I promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 96. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and is highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything in them celebrate. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his faithfulness. Amen. Our reading today comes from Ezekiel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, while I was among the exiles with a Kibar canal, the heavens were opened. And I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile, the word of the Lord came directly to the priest Ezekiel, son of Uzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Sheba Canal. The Lord's hand was on him there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're starting a new study here this week. Uh, And this is going to be a study that's probably going to last for quite a long time because my goal is to get through the entire book of Ezekiel. We'll see how that goes. Uh, That's 48 chapters, those of you uh, keeping track at home. So that's at least basically a year. And that doesn't throw in the fact that we're going to be chopping this sucker up into so many little pieces because there's so many things to talk about that this could be... I don't know, two years. So this is going to be a test of your perseverance (laughs) as well as mine. But Ezekiel has been my favorite book in the Bible for years. I love it. I love uh, the the message that is brought of pure, beautiful, wonderful gospel, as well as the pictures that are painted of God's faithfulness, but also God's uh, judgment that comes to us, uh, both those things being necessary things, being necessary words for us. And so we're beginning here basically with the prologue, basically with the introduction uh, before we get to this um, beautiful long passage here in chapter one that paints this picture of God's chariot, of God's throne. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting to looking at that over the next uh, couple of weeks after this week. But this week I wanted to give us an introduction to have a discussion around Ezekiel and his place 
within the canon, his place in uh, in our understanding of the scriptures and the necessity for us to have Ezekiel here. And so, so we start with his chronology, right? He says, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, while I was among the exiles by the, by the Cheber Canal. Um, the 30th year, many people, many commentators say that this is his age, right? Uh, uh, according to the law, I believe it's in Numbers chapter 7, uh, it says that a uh, man could not begin to serve as a priest until he was 30, right? That's part of the reason why we assume that Jesus was 30 years old, because he's the, the priest to end all priests, right? Well, that there's a problem with that in part because as you see the way that Ezekiel is treated by the people, he he tends to be somewhat of an elder statesman, someone someone who's experienced, someone who is knowledgeable. And and so his age, especially with this dating here, um it, it doesn't denote an age. It, it denotes a time frame that something happened 30 years uh, in, in the fourth month, fifth day of the month, that, that, that time frame. Something happened from that particular date, whatever that date was, until, until now. And there's some people that, that, there's some commentators that they hold to that being his age, but there's other commentators that say actually it was 30 years previous, give or take a few months, that he began his work as a prophet because the the story is told in the Talmud that you cannot prophesy outside of Israel. And so he began his prophesying in the land of Israel. So he's much older than 30. He's he's closer to maybe 60. Who knows? Um, That's a possibility. But then also there is something that happened uh, if we go by the timeline that is given to us here, and this is from a history standpoint, uh, something happened 30 years ago prior to this this happening that is very important. We have to go all the way back to, to 2 Kings. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 22, because it is there that we're introduced to Josiah. Is also my son's name, Josiah. So Josiah, if you're listening, hey buddy. Um, but Josiah is made king at the age of eight. And what we do know is that his dad and his grandfather were very bad kings. His great-grandfather was Hezekiah, who was a good king. But then we have Manasseh and we have Ammon. And Manasseh was not a good king at all. He did horrible things, uh, bringing in foreign gods. And it's, and it's said that he filled the city with innocent blood in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 21, um, as well as Ammon basically did exactly as his father did. And so when we, when we uh, come to Josiah, suddenly there's this transformation uh, in the life of Josiah. Something happened, okay? Uh, the, the story is told that prior to Josiah becoming king, his father and his grandfather actually did all the work they possibly could to get rid of the Torah, to get rid of the scriptures, the holy, the five books of Moses, the holy scriptures that, that were the law, the book of the law that was guiding the people. 
because it spoke out against what it was that they were doing with building altars and, and idols and, and all sorts of things like that. But then we get Josiah. He's, he's eight years old when he becomes king. We're told this you know, in, in verse 1 of chapter 22 of Second Kings. And then it says in verse 3, in the 18th year of King Josiah. So uh, most commentators say that this was uh, 18th year of his reign not his age, so he's, he's roughly 26 years old. The king sent the court secretary, Shaphan, son of Azalea, uh, son of Meshulam, to the Lord's temple, saying, go up to the high priest Hilkiah so that he may total up the silver brought into the Lord's temple. He's basically wanting to make sure that things are being done properly at the temple. There's something different with Josiah. Some some work within the life of, of Josiah, because we're told in, in chapter 2, he did what was right, or in verse 2 of chapter 22, that he did what was right in the Lord's sight. And he walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or the left. That there was something of God working in him. And so he has concern for the temple. So he sends messengers to the high priest, Hokiah, and to, to make sure that the silver that was being collected for the maintenance and the repairs of the temple was being used properly. And what ends up happening is they go to, to Hilkiah, and Hilkiah says, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. That's somewhere in, in a back room, they found the book of the law, more than likely probably a scroll of Deuteronomy. And he gives it to Shaphan, and Shaphan brings it to the king. And I love this line in verse 10 of chapter 22 of 2 Kings. Shaphan's talking to the king. He says, the priest Hilkiah has given me a book. He doesn't say anything else other than that. And uh, he reads it in the presence of the king. And and the thinking is that the apocryphal story goes that it was actually unrolled to chapter 28, verse 36, which which, uh, prophesies that the people and the king of Israel are going to be taken into exile, meaning here, Josiah. The the, the northern tribes have already been uh, uh, taken away um, by Assyria by this time, uh, from what I from what I remember, or, or they are about to be. And so here, though, uh, we have this this book that was forgotten, lost, destroyed, uh, except for these remnants of it. And he brings it to Josiah, and Josiah hears it, and a revival breaks out. A revival revival led by Josiah, in which he purges the temples and all the high places of all the idols, of all the altars, of all the foreign demons. He gets rid of the priests. He gets rid of the temple prostitutes. The, the covenant is renewed in the temple by the king and the people. And he does all sorts of other reforms. And then we're also told that they finally observe the Passover again, that no other Passover was observed like the one observed by Josiah, apart from what was observed uh, during the days of the judges when they first entered the land. That this was a huge monumental change in the life of the people, this finding of the book. Now, if you do the math, what you discover is that if it's 18 years of his reign and we are, we are told that he reigned for 31 years, we, we do the math. And so then it's 13 years from when they found the book. And then we find out after Josiah dies, 
that uh, his uh, son Jehoahaz is made king in his place, but he only reigns for three months. Um, and then Jehoiakim is put as a vassal king by Egypt over over the kingdom of Judah. And we are told that, that he uh, reigns uh, in uh in Judah for 11 years. So that's 24 years plus three months, give or take. And then Jehoiakim rebels uh, uh, against against Pharaoh and um, Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar shows up and takes him out. And uh, Jehoiakim gets put in his place and he only reigned for three months. So we're at 24 years and three months, right? Or 24 years and six months. And then there's this deportation to Babylon. This is the deportation where we find Ezekiel being part of. This first deportation where Nebuchadnezzar shows up, he, he sacks Jerusalem, and the king and his royal house, plus 10,000 of the best troops and uh, elders of the people, are taken to Babylon. And this includes Ezekiel. So the reality is, is that Ezekiel is probably much older than 30. He might have even been an advisor in, in, uh, in the king's household. He might have been serving as priest in his rotation. This is more than likely the case because as you read the, the story, uh, the, the prophecy of Ezekiel, you see a lot of ties to the work in the temple. And, and, a, and a very clear vision of what was happening in the temple. And so Ezekiel would know of what is taking place. But here, this, this in the 30th year, as we're told here in, in Ezekiel chapter 1, more than likely it's the 30th year since the book of the law was found since that, that major Passover took place, uh, uh, remembrance of the Passover, that a jubilee year was called during that time. So it's 30 years from that moment in which the word of God finally made its way among the people again, uh, where, where reforms and revival took place. And so that is, that is what Ezekiel is counting down from. This, this From that point now, the word of the Lord has come to me. He says, and he, and he says too. He adds in there that it's it's uh, it's during the the fifth day of the month, the, the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile. So you add all that up, his exile and everything else. It basically comes to thirty years. I kind of like that, don't you? That he's counting it not from his age or from his birthday or anything. He's actually counting it from a work of God. That it was that God began this major work in Josiah, and then God's word is found and proclaimed to the people, to the king. Isn't that beautiful? That, that, that the focus of this book begins and ends with the word of God speaking. One of the major lines within Ezekiel, and we're going to hear it a billion times, well not a billion times, but a lot of times, is that, that they may know that I am the Lord. That, that we only know the Lord from his word, of what he's revealed of himself, of what he has spoken to us. And so the work of Ezekiel and the work of the scriptures is to turn us toward the Lord, to, to do this work of repentance in us, to, to be this working of the Spirit in us, in our hearts, to make it so that we don't turn from the right to the, or the left, but we go straight on following the Lord. And that it is not our doing, but it is the word of the Lord upon us. Because we hear... 
hear that um, uh, in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, while I was among the exiles by the Cheber Canal, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. That it is that that God came to him. He did not do anything, but that he found himself in a foreign land, amongst foreign people. Uh, uh, who he and his people, the Israelites, we have we have archaeological evidence to show that here by this this canal off the Euphrates, uh, that that there were Jewish settlements there at this time, that he's among a people who have made settlements, made homes, because it's been five years. They've made homes. They've sort of they, they they've decided that this is going to be their situation, that this is going to be the way it's going to be, that there's nothing that they can do about it. And yet God shows up. God opens the heavens and hands over to Ezekiel a word. Just like like the temple was opened, the book was found, and it was brought to the king, and, and revival happened there. Here, too, is God doing a particular revival amongst his people in a foreign land, amongst these exiles. And this is going to be important for us to remember. These are exiles. They saw bloodshed. They saw massacres. They had family get killed by the Babylonians. Uh, they, they, they had gone through so much turmoil and suffering and been taken away from their homes and, and forced to do um, um, a, a, a long march of pain and heartache. And here God shows up. God doing his work that even on the on the um, coattails of Manasseh and Ammon, Josiah is used to do this work of renewal, even though God says, even though all of these things are happening under you, Josiah, the people are still going to be exiled. So too here, speaking to the exiles, Ezekiel is able to uh, be used by God to have the heavens opened up that even the worst of all situations, God comes to him to do a work. And that is beautiful gospel for you, church. It's beautiful gospel. It means that wherever you are right now, God is going to find you. His word is going to find you. It means that his word is going to do a major work in your life, even now, as you, hopefully as you're listening to this, but also in your church in the times in which suddenly you decide to open that old dusty Bible to read the word of the Lord, that it's going to be opened up to you, that God is going to send you a preacher. That is God's work after all. We will see that here in Ezekiel, that it is God's work to send you a preacher that you might have your ears open to hear what it is that God has to tell you about himself and how you relate to him. That is the work of the Lord, and that is going to be the work of the Lord in your life and and throughout the life of Ezekiel here as he does his prophesying to the people in Babylon, to the people in Judah, to the people of Tyre and Sidon and Edom and Egypt and all these places that think that they are outside the law of God, that they can do whatever they want to. Here God is going to come and speak to us. And I pray that that is the case. And that and that's the wonderful thing here that we will read of this Ezekiel is that God does his work the way he does his work. We're told here that that uh, the heavens were open, I saw visions of God, and that the word of the Lord, this is verse 3, the word of the Lord came directly to the priest Ezekiel, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Cheber Canal. The Lord's hand was on him there. It, it actually basically says the word of the Lord happened to him, was being in him. 
that it wasn't just that he he read some nice things and he needed to say something, but that actually the, the word did its work. And it's a beautiful thing to have the word be be connected to the hand of the Lord. God doesn't necessarily have hands, but the but the phrase is to mean the might, the power of the Lord came heavily upon him through this word, through the Spirit working upon him. And that's a beautiful thing of what we're going to find here in Ezekiel, is that is God's work continually. Well, as you continue to take part in this, in this uh study that we're going to be having as you continue to join us uh, weekly as we dig through this this text. My prayers are that it gets opened up to you in that way, that you, you continue to be amazed by the working of God for you and in you through all it is that God is going to be doing through his word. And that he continues to do it on Sundays as your pastor preaches to you, as you, as you listen to your Bible studies, and as you listen to this podcast or others. That it is God doing a reawakening, a revival, a life-giving work. And it, and it may come in a hard way upon you. And it may cause you to feel outside of what it is that, that you think is supposed to be mainstream work of God. My prayers are is that that is going to be what is necessary, maybe. One last note on Ezekiel, he's called the son of Buzi. And, and Buzi, from what I understand from reading the Hebrew there, is that it's it's the root of the word for shame. That either one, his, his father being a priest, somehow had shame within his family line, and yet God decided to use him, and specifically Ezekiel anyways. That God calls Ezekiel to this work, even though he is in exile and that he's been taken away from the temple, taken away from his ability to serve as a priest, God still uses him anyways. And that maybe Ezekiel is the picture of those willing to be ashamed, willing to be shamed for the work of God. May that be so for us as well. Let us pray. O almighty and most merciful God, Thy bountiful goodness keep us, we beseech thee, from all things that may hurt us, that we, being ready both in body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish those things that thou would have us do. Through thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you next week.